Hello and welcome to this week's Weekend Watch. We've got eight races to get stuck into across the ITV card. So personally, I will be keeping the waffle to a minimum. It has been a very good period for the GG Weekend Watchers of late. We had four winners and five places just on last week's show alone. That included mine and Kate's Nap, Mid-Earth and Kim Ross, respectively. We also had Angel Blur and Summergand tipped up on the show too. Of those five places, Andrew chucked up three of those. Eldrama, Knight, Live Your Dream, who was also part of by Kate. And for me, it was Eras and Berkshire Rocco. Just to add on this one, I know Berkshire Rocco was fifth, but every single bookmaker paid fifth. So technically not a place, but you would have all got paid. Anyway, I said I was going to stop waffling. On to this week's action. Like I say, there's eight races across Chester, Sandown and Beverly. We'll kick off with the 135 at Chester. It's contact company handicap over seven furlongs and a half with 12 declared. Andrew, I'm going to start with you. How do you see this race going? Yeah, tricky one. Um, last year, the first three were drawn 3-2-1 and we're all up with the pace. Now, um, we have got a few pace angles in this race, though. So uh, pace in stalls one, five and eight. And I'm hoping they're going to set it up for a closer like they did two years ago when uh, Fools Rush in won this for Tom Dapscombe as a three-year-old of the mark of um, 93, I think it was. He's nine pounds lower this time around. He was beaten in the race last year, but again, he was uh, poorly drawn and his patient style was at a disadvantage. So um, I'll take a chance on that being a strong enough pace to set it up to Fools Rush in. The other interesting one was Hodler, who was not well drawn when eighth at Newbury last time. And he was a soft ground seven furlong winner the last time he ran here at Chester. Lovely job. Matt, welcome back, mate. How do you see the opener for ITV at Chester? I've gone for the similar angle as Andrew, and it'll set up for a closer. And I'm hoping it'll be Revich, who's um, got three thousand distance successes. Um, and yeah, all of his all his runs this season have come over um, come over a mile. Now the only win that he's had has come over seven and a half furlongs at Chester. So he drops back in trip now for the first time since then. He's only three pounds higher, and I'll stick with Revich. Perfect. So the one thirty-five, the opener. Andrew's full rush in. Matt is Revich. This feels almost. Too quick. Second race on high TV though, it's the 150 at Sandown. It's a class three, seven furlong handicap. Winning favourites in the last two renewals. They were both drawn in stall six. So that's a nod to both Amber Island and Tough Enough. But they are first two in the betting. Does look a competitive enough race here, Matt. What are your thoughts? Um, I've gone for Identify, who was um, who drops back in trip here after a three, three lengths fourth last time out. Now, if you'd have backed him, you'd have been absolutely tearing your eyes out. Um, it was on the bridle between three and one out. All dressed up and nowhere to go. But when he did get a bit of daylight, he, um, he, 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 he ran on well. And I'm um, suggesting that, you know, he's still relatively well in the upper market, 91, still got a bit of room for manoeuvre. And um, he clearly likes it here as well. It was um, a winner here of a mile earlier in May, I think it was, behind um, he had this, behind a Perosso, I think it was. Um, then it was a three-length three length fifth in July. So he likes it here. The form's been boosted. The likes of Spirit Danza have won behind him. Dutch decoys won as well. And um, the drop back in trip's interesting. He's only raced at seven furlongs once in his life. He's beaten a nose, uh, beaten second by a nose at Newcastle. So he's a strong traveller, and I think the drop in trip will help him, actually. Um, but as I say, he's off the top weight. It's a strong race, but um, a decent odds. I'll stick with him identify. So identify for the 150 for Matt. Andrew, I touched on the last two winners are both drawn in stool six. For someone like me, who's a novice for the flat at Sandown, is there such a draw bias in a race like this? Um, well, with uh, most draw biases nowadays, you've got two words to discuss, uh, and it's, it depends, and it's very much the case with Sandown. It's, uh, if it's watered going, um, it could affect things. You want to be late around the outside. Um, if it's generally 
you know, quick going on occasions. You, you know, you can be around the inside. I mean, they're calling it good to firm. Sandown's going has been softer than the official description every meeting this year. It's a terrible place for trying to work out where the best part of the ground is. Unfortunately, this is the first race, so we don't have an option of watching another race before it. But I wouldn't read anything too much into the draw here. I mean, you just want to be looking at the pace and see if anything's going to get loose on the lead or whether it's going to be a case of if they go hard off the inner and something comes late and wide. Um, I wanted to be against Amber Island. I thought he was flattered when she was flattered when winning at uh, Leicester. She was well drawn in stall two. She made all the running at a big price. She's been a non-runner four times since. Uh, that was 88 days ago, that win, so I'm not sure what's been going on. Tough enough, I thought it was solid enough. Uh, Lyndon B had a squeak, having been up against a bias at uh, Newmarket last time out. Wasn't usually keen on Maywake, if the good to firm going description is correct, would need a softer going. There's two at bigger prices I'm going to put up in split stakes. One is Alpha Capture, who I thought would go well at Newbury last time, but it turned out his low draw was no help. And the other one is Siam Fox, who was given too much to do at Chelmsford, Chelmsford last time and made his challenge on the inside of the track where the surface looked deeper. So uh, that's the outside of the entire field, I think, Siam Fox, around about 40 to 1. So I'll take that one and Alpha Capture against the field. Superb. So Alpha Capture, Siam Fox, your Dutch in the two of them, and then indemnify for Matt. It is an 11-runner handicap, but every single oh, play for bar one is playing oh, four places. Just stop me there. I'm not dutching. I'm splitting stakes equally. So uh, dutching, obviously, for those not aware, is backing two horses to win the same amount. Whereas if you're backing, uh, if you're splitting your one pound stake on a 40 to one and 12 to one, you're just having equal stake on both of them. My apologies. Thank you for correcting me, Andrew. That's right. right. We'll I'll, do, I'll do that any time you like. <laughs> we'll move on to the third race we're covering from the ITV card. It's the first race we're covering from Beverly, the 205, the William Hill Silver Cup. It's a class two handicap over one mile four furlongs. We've got the dead eight as well, so watch out for any non-runners in there. Highly competitive looking betting heat as well, which I think is going to be the phrase of the day. Dream Harder, Perfect Play and Dancing in Paris are all vying for favouritism around about nine to two. Current outsider of the field, though, Dark Jedi, is actually a short nine to one in places. So single figures across the card. I think we're going to need some of your help. So, Andrew, I'll come to you. Knowledge is power. Who wins the 205 at Beverly? Yeah, this is an incredibly tricky one. Um, I mean, again, Beverly, good ground. Will they water uh, in the run-up to um, the, the meeting if they don't get any um, any more rain very possibly? Uh, Dancing in Paris and Perfect Play are likely to be the ones disputing the lead. I mean, I generally back Charlie Johnson runners blind in handicaps over a mile four or further at uh, Beverly, but I'd just be a bit worried that Perfect Play will get taken on for the lead. I mean, Dream Harder is heading the betting thereabouts but um that only he's only won once from nine starts on turf that was on soft ground so you'd kind of want to watch the uh, first race and see how the track's riding but of course this is the first race so that option's out america is another one who's been um um sort of touted as a horse and he's good to firm ground and uh, a couple of drying days and no water he'd be uh, sneak into it for roger Vera and he's been well backed anti-post but Again, you just worry about how the how the track's riding. Uh, Fulfilled is interesting. Um, Beverly generally not ideal for his hold up tactics, but he does go well in small fields and he has got experience of the uh, of the track. So I'll go Fulfilled in the hope that they go a good pace. But it's not a race I want to uh, have a bet in. Fair enough, Matt. Matt, is this a race that you want to have a bet in? Yeah, I have gone for Imeric. Um, I think this is this is only a class two in nature. I don't think it's a very um, a strong race for the grade at all. And um, Roger Varian's got a 30% strike rate and handicap at Beverly over the last five years. And um, given he's one of the likes of Doncaster, and I think a stiff, a stiff track will suit. 
There's one of one mile fires. He had a match on the next the, the drop back in triple suit as well. Um, you can rule out his last one at Newmarket when um, the ground was riding really softly. I think Roger Varian spoke and um, said they expected him to go quite well, but obviously the ground just 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 completely um, burned him out. Um, and and you just you get the feeling that this horse is a lot better than what he's shown so far. I mean, he's running, he's running the Mel, the Melrose. He's running, I think, 52k handicap at York. He's running the Duke of Edinburgh this season, and he was only beaten four lengths there as well. And then, um, and he comes back off a 53-day layoff, and given that he's two from two off, um, off a layoff as well, I think um, he'll go well, go well fresh. So I'll take a chance on Imeric and hope that the ground dries out for him. Excellent. So Imeric for Matt, for Phil, for Andrew. We are now back at Sandown for the Virgin Bet. Atalanta Stakes, Group 3 for Philly the Mayor. It's over one mile. We've got Field of 10 declared here, including last year's winner, Potapova. But it's Coppice for Jay, John and for Hayley Gosden, who currently heads the market. 7-2. There's only been three winning favourites in the last 10, though, so that would be a 30% loss on your investment if you were looking at it that way. This is a race that I have delved into a bit. This is a bit more of my cup of tea. So I'm going to go last on this one, but just keep tuned in, viewers, because... I will be waffling for a little bit. Back to you, Matt. How do you see the Atalanta Stakes going? Yeah, well, I'd like to take on the um, the favourite copy, so I think will be well-backed as well. Um, I mean, she wasn't disgraced behind Nashua in the Falmouth, beating seven lengths. I mean, Nashua won by about four, didn't she? So she was only a couple of lengths behind the second. Um, but I do think her running the um, Ascot was, uh, she was um, she was flattered. I think she had the rail, rail to suit, low draw as well. Breeze hasn't done much for the form since, so I think Coppice is worth taking on. And I'm going to have to be sneaky and play two in here as well, actually. Um, the first being Heredia, and now she ticks quite a lot of the, tre the trends for this race. Um, eight, of 13, like eight of the last 13 runners had um, a run in the last 66 days. Ten of the last 13 winners had one win over a mile. Ten of the last 13 winners were rated 100 or higher. And um, eight of the last 13 winners had a win previous to that season. And then um, a run last time out over a mile. I think she's only raced at a mile uh, three times. This is the first one this season. She won by three lengths, and she just looked like something had clicked in her mind. I don't know why she was she was so so impressive. And um, but yeah, obviously she had purple pair three lengths behind. She reposes, and um, she ran well obviously at course and distance last season. I think she, she um, was behind Oscar and Grande Dam in a group of three, so she got a bit of course on too. So I think she'll go well, but I will take a chance and disregard all those trends with a Nibra's Angel uh, for Ismail Mohammed. Now she's she's raised twice; she's unbeaten. She's an outsider, and um, but visually in the last two runs, she's been so impressive. Um, she won really well at first last time out. Um, she was keen the whole way, but I think she clocked eleven point fourteen second, eleven point fourteen furlong two out. And given how keen she was. You expected it to drop out or at least kind of just sustain that pace as opposed to quicken it. So she was really impressive there. She's got an entry in the Sun Chariot at the end of the month as well. And then so which tells you how highly the um how highly the rate So I'll play um I'll play both of them too. Fantastic. Andrew, where's your money going in this race? Yeah, this is a, a tricky old one. Uh, good race, but there's some very interesting uh, stats associated with this. And uh, horses who ran in listed company last time out. Um, not including listed handicaps, so just one from 45 in the last 10 years. Um, now, that would bring in um, Heredia, uh, Midnight Mile, quite a few others, actually. I mean, Heredia, the key to uh, her is that she needs a big build and a strong pace. So I actually took 
positives from that um, Musselburgh defeat. I mean, why you'd run a horse at Musselburgh and needs to come from off the pace in a small field is a bit mad. She was beaten at odds of five to four on. Um, similar race at Chelmsford next time out. She got beaten at 11 to four, finishing fourth of seven. Next time out, what happens? 13 runners, Haydock, big field, strong pace, bang. Uh, she goes and wins. You know, last three wins in fields of 11, 28 and 13. But there's, a, there's quite a few of them like that. The first five in the betting um, all like to come from off the pace. That includes Potter Pova. Last year, the winner, I thought, could go well again, despite not having set the world alight this season. Um, but, yeah, in terms of the stats and um, not, you know, having run in a group one, a group two or a handicap last time, it's between Coppice, Potter Pova and Novus. Uh, that one's a big price. But it's... Uh, it's just difficult to know about the pace of the race and who's going to make it and how the track's going to be riding. So I'll I'll just go Potter Pope last year's winner, but very, very tentative. I like it. And I like the fact that you said about the stats stuff in there as well, because I'm a big fan of the fact that you can almost prove anything with stats. When you started <laughs> reading yours off, Matt, put me on a little bit of a, a downer because I didn't think the horse that I quite like was going to get a mention, but it did. Nibra's Angel was the one that I sided with too. Like you say, those two runs were very visually impressive. She looked a little bit unbalanced as well she was switching her legs i think on her uh, first race quite a lot even the last race but like probably just green more than anything i would suggest but it's just the manner that she did quicken maybe not doing it so quickly um the step up from seven furlongs to a mile now will probably help so i thought she was a big price since the time of writing and the time that we're doing this right now she is a top price 16 to one point but she's a general 14 to one shot she was 20s when i started to write this one up so i do think nibra's angel is going to come for a bit of money but it's nibra's angel for me it was heredia and nibra's angel for matt and potapova tentatively for andrew let's move on to probably one of the best races of the day as far as i'm concerned back to beverly it's the beverly bullet sprint stakes listed race over five furlongs with seven declared equilateral didn't get declared i thought that was going to be in so i could mention that matty tipped that horse up and it bolted up but i've mentioned it anyway He's marvellous. He's trying to win this for the third time in a row. Faces just six rivals. One of those is another former winner in Judicial. But it's Silky Wilkie, who's current favourite at the time of recording. Although he is engaged at Newcastle this evening, as things stand, unless he's been withdrawn a non-runner. So just thought I'd mention that. Next in the bet in are Apollo 1 and Kurdos. It does look a fairly tight race. Andrew, do you like the Beverly Bullet and who wins it? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll get the after-timing scum award of the week by saying that I napped his marvellous in this race last year. He's a horse who's completely useless in the first half of the season. Doesn't do a jot um, until um, you know the August comes around. And uh, you look at his, you know, over the years, his first run um, post-July is generally a winning one. Now, last time um, he ran at uh, the Sugar Cup meeting on the 12th of August. I took a chance and thought, oh, you know, maybe he'll come to life despite having finished last in his two runs this season. He didn't. He was a massive drifter. He was about sixes out to 16s. Uh, ran a complete stinker, but that was only his third start. It was probably still needed. It looks like all roads lead to the Beverly Bullet. And even though he's a nine-year-old, I mean, won it, as, as you said, at the age of seven and eight, I think uh, it'll go in again. So, yeah, it is marvellous for me. Fantastic. Matt, how do you see it? In agreement with Andrew? Uh, not quite, um, although I do think he will go well, in fairness. I mean, he was back last in both his starts this season, but he did show a lot more at Ascot. And um, as Andrew said, I think all roads have led to this race for him. Um, the original two that I had in my on my notebook when uh, for this race have both not been declared. Uh, Echolateral and um, Rage of Bambi was a good second at York last week. So I've had to revisit the race with a bit of fresh eyes, and I, I just don't have a strong opinion of him, honestly. Um, I thought Judicial would go well. He's obviously a record at Beverly Reads. 
I think four four wins and two thirds, including the first and the third in this race. So if you had to if you had to give me a selection, I'd go with Judicial. Um I do quite like Apollo one, but I don't think the job back in trip is an obvious one. He was staying on really well last time at Govill on soft ground. He stayed on well the time before that as well. Um but I mean if they go a good clip and um, he settles in the rear, he could pick it he could pick up the pieces too. But um I'll stick with um I'll go with Judicial in the hope that um the return here springs a springs further life into him. Fantastic. Well, it's a decent spectacle all the same when you've got those horses absolutely pelting it at Beverly. Back to Sandown now for the three o'clock. It's a class three handicap over one mile two furlongs. We've got 14 declared and it's a 14 runner handicap where half of the field are single figure prices. We've got three currently vying for favouritism, another phrase for the bingo card this week. It looks to me though this is going to be a race that's going to take some picking. Also, the last winning favourite came back in 2016 for Joseph Jesus. Josephine, easy for you to say, Gordon, aboard Badar. So, uh, Matt, I'm going to fire this one back to you. It does look like another competitive handicap. Again, phrase of the day. Loads of them vying for favouritism. How do you split this one up? Um, I'm absolutely all over dual identity in this race. All over him. Um, now, it was second in this, in this race last year off a pound higher. And if any of you get a chance to go back and watch that race, please do, because there's absolutely no way he should have finished, he should have finished anywhere near second. It was keen the whole way. It was, I think, he was last by a length on the turn, and he was just completely dropped outside the TV. And it came down absolutely thundering home. And it was just, I think, beaten half a length, and um, only beaten half a length. And then um, I, I followed him a bit this year. It was um, drawn. It was drawn. I think it was behind Jimi Hendrix in the, uh, the Royal Hunt Cup, um, second on the second of eight on that group. So I mean, I know Jimi Hendrix won, won that side, but there was an obvious pace bias, anyways. And um, he just shaped like a return to form all season. And you just get the feeling that they've kind of earmarked him for this race. Um, and his record is, he's causing this record as well. He's his fifth, the first, and the second. That fifth on soft ground, he prefers quick ground. So, given he's got his ideal conditions now, I think he's been targeted for a repeat success at this race. And, um, and it will go very well. I like that. That was really bullish. I feel like that could be, based on what we've selected so far, the closest we're going to get to your nap stage. But we will have to stay tuned to find that out later. Andrew, are you just as confident in the race? Um, yeah, there's a, I would be confident if there were three non-runners and certain lad run, uh, because uh, a certain lad needs the smallest field. All his wins are coming fields of 11 or fewer runners. Um, he, he keeps, um, you know, running well without winning in these very big field handicaps. He was due to run a listed race early this season, but they pulled him out on the day that was here at Sandown when uh, the outsider of four ended, ended up winning. Um, so I think he needs plenty of room in his races. If, if a few drop out, I'll probably have a go on certain lad, but I think there's a race in him this autumn. Um, the others of interest, Lord Protector is where I'm going to go. He's had three runs here at Sandown, first, second by a neck, and first. Race Beckett's in fantastic form at the moment, as we know. I wanted to be against Groundbreaker, given uh, Andrew Balding's one, one from 17 record with his first time wind up horses in handicaps. Stay Well is another one I'm against. Um, Ocean Murphy's booking will draw some punters in, but he's never won in a field of more than six or seven runners. Um, dual Identity was on my radar, but I'm going to help him win now. I'm, I'm going to assist Matty by questioning the form of William Knightyard, because every time I question the form of a yard, they have a glut of winners in the next few days. Now, whereas since the beginning of March, he's three from 104. Uh, based on the prices, he should have had about 11 winners. I think he's gone 50 runners and 55 days without a winner. Uh, I've backed some of those, and they've run like hairy dogs when uh, I thought they had every chance in the form book. So, uh, yeah, you, you can send me my fiver when dual identity bolts up. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs>
But it was Lord Protector for you, Andy. Yeah, was I'll it? go Lord Protector based on his course record. I'll, I'll throw in a positive mention for Anderleep as well, who um, bombed out last time at Ascot, but that was a mile and a half. Doesn't stay that far. And, uh, and he's got a good record at this track when they go fast and um, you know, he comes around the outside to win. So uh, hopefully Richard Kingscott will try and adopt those tactics. Excellent. And then just to make it transparent for everyone, you said you will be back in certain and if there's 11 or fewer runners, right? Yeah, he's a, he's a horse who uh, tends to find trouble in big fields. So we could do with the, two or three non-runners, ideally. Could happen as well, like you say, the way that the track goes at Sandown with the watering and the going conditions and all sorts. So that's a pretty competitive looking handicap where both of you have made good cases, fairly confident. You touched on the trainer form stuff there as well, which Daryl would be... I don't want to say turning his grave because he's not gone, but he's gone from us. I'm well, the same as you, though, Andrew. I like to look at the, the prices and look at the reality chances <laughs> to see whether they are under or overperforming. Anywho, a yard like you've already touched on that isn't in bad form is Ray Beckett. He's got the winner of this race the last two years. The next race we're looking at is the 320 at Chester. Listed race over one mile, six and a half furlong. on. We have six runners in here. Uh, this time round, Rafe Beckett saddles two. He's got five-year-old Lone Eagle and four-year-old, thanks Monica. The last two winners that he had were both three-year-olds. But it's military order, full brother to Adair. For Charlie Appleby, he's currently the six to five favourite. I think he was bigger prices in the week when I had a look at him. Couldn't necessarily believe the price of it. He was sent off just nine to two for the derby, I think. Finished last with no explanation provided for the poor performance. However, you would think the layoff that he's had would suggest that something wasn't quite right. Ground was fairly quick that day as well. Um, this is a drop in class for that horse. It is a step up in trip. Do we think that's what he needs, Andrew? Do we think that military order is the right favourite? Um, yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Um, he's one of those horses that you think, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he bounced back and won by half the track, but at the same time, would I want to back him at 11 or 10? Probably not. Now, interesting stats with Frankel at Chester. Um, the two and three year olds combined 13 winners from 30 runners, 43% profit of 23 pounds 32. You look at the older horses, um, they've run absolutely shocking. One from 30, uh, four year olds and older, Frankel's at Chester, minus 27.75. So we've got one of each here. Um, of course, we've got the favorite who's a, um, a three year old Frankel, and we've got um, the third favorite, Divine Jewel, who's a four year old Frankel. So it'd be fascinating to see how the pair get on. Um, I like the Rafe Beckett angle. Um, I mean, thanks to Monica, you'd think it's going to make the running. And you, in the same ownership, is, is this a pacemaker for Lone Eagle? You think, no, it's probably just a case of they'll, they'll probably be retiring into the paddock soon. They want to get some black type and um, she's got the right running style for the track. So I'll, I'll go Lone Eagle, um, you know, coming back in trip. But um, yeah, it was a, it was another race where it's tentative only. And uh, you, you look at it and you think, yeah, anything can happen here. Excellent, yeah, because that's the thing, obviously, when I touched on a rest before that he was sent a favourite for Derby and then had been out on the scene since, and there was excuses and all that sort of stuff. It's a different, slight case to this one, but military order is fairly short. Matt, what do you think of it? Do you think the step up in trip's going to help him anyway? Um, I'm not entirely sure. Well, it just feels like a bit of a roll of the dice, if I'm honest with you. Um, a bit of a kind of, well, if it goes well, it goes to St. Ledger kind of thing. And um, I mean, that's not what you want from a, from a, a beaten, a well, very well-beaten Derby favourite, you know. It doesn't feel like, I mean, sometimes you get these horses in like, like a rest and like something was clearly wrong or I didn't handle the, didn't handle the track of the going. It just it just feels like military orders far too short, even on what he's achieved as well. I mean, he's, he's beaten Waipere over at Lingfield. And um, what I remember that race, Waipere wasn't exactly, you know, getting away from him. And um, so I'd rather, I'd take him on at the price. I, mean, I think he was, you mentioned earlier about what he opened up at, um, in the week. I think it was four to one. Yeah. So anyone who's got the money on now will be happy. But um, yeah, he's certainly worth taking on now. Um, and I will go with Lone Eagle. 
And um, it, it was, I think he's racing uh, in Group One races the last two He's obviously dropping back now to Lister Grade. And um, he's a funny old horse. Like he just, he just seems like he needs, he needs something for him. He needs like a quick. You know, he handled Chester really well. Obviously, when he um, won the time, but was second to Hamish the time before. And then um, Hamish has come out and won twice since. And then um, I think hence the blinkers. You know, he's a he's a horse who needs to be kept motivated. You know, he doesn't like a big galloping trap. I think he just gets lazy and bored. And um, so I think mentally, I think Chester really suits Lorne Eagle. Um, really, Chiriada, I just, I think he's fat. He's, he's worth taking on. Um, yeah, definitely Lorne Eagle for me. But um, I, I, think, I wouldn't be waiting. Sorry, um, Matthew, just to interrupt you there. In deference to Darrell, we have to say Hamish instead of Hamish whenever time. Hamish. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you guys are in agreement. So you've both gone for Lone Eagle in the 320 at Chester. I do think we probably, it's one of them, isn't it? Like, he's about the price that he probably should be for the fact that it's a coin flip, whether he's just got the class to go and do it all as something amiss but not trustworthy so i like it we'll move on to a much more straightforward race surely it's the last race from itv that we cover and it's the 338 real good time in there the salario stake is a group three over seven furlongs we've got six declared john gosden has won two of the last five and three of the last ten the reason i've mentioned that it doesn't have a runner but two darn hot won this <laughs> kingman won it so they are some absolute worldy big names that are in there. Favourites have won six of the last seven, with the exception being last year's winner, Silver Knot. That one for Charlie Appleby, but was a nine to four poke. So towards the head of the market probably does look the place to be. This year's renewal, though, looks competitive enough. That seems to be the theme of the day. Starlaw's in as five to two favourite, but just behind is Mortlake in most places. They're joint favourites. Some places have actually flip-flopped. Abelan's in behind, uh, or Albat. Ab Alban, I don't even know how to say it. number one's third in mind, seven to two. We've got five to one for Devil's Point, Cerulean Bay at nine to one, and then Inish Fallen at 14 to one. So, six runners, group three looks pretty competitive. Andrew, can you firstly say any of the names? And secondly, can you pronounce <laughs> the winner? Um, may well, hopefully, give you the winner. I'm not sure about pronunciation. You, I'm the wrong person to come to uh, for that. Yeah, fascinating here. I'm um, Starlaw was a rare first time out winner for Sir Michael Stout. You look at the race, he's, he's won by a short head. Um, he, he defied greenness to win that. He was um, quite well supported. But you think, oh, the first five, there's only like a length and a half between them. The form can't be worth a great deal. And then because you look at the third um, Arabian crown for Godolphin, who was the five to four favourite that day, and also ran green. You know, next time out, he's gone, he'd come back to Sandown and won his maiden. And then he's gone to Salisbury and won a listed race, uh, race very comfortably. Uh, Devil's Point, the fifth, he's come out and won since the David Manusier Hall, whereas, you know, Maximum Dividend, the, the runner-up, um, you know, was beaten at fairly short odds next time. Um, so generally positive mes messages from that. And I'd certainly prefer him to Mortlake. Um, now, when Mortlake won second time out at Leicester, there was the, the usual track bias on the straight course at Leicester. You wanted to be drawn low. You wanted to be down the middle of the track. Now, the uh, the winner and second were came out of stalls two and one of eight um 15 to two and 25 to one everything else seemed to want to race up the stand side rail where the ground's been slower for about five years but still some jockeys don't seem to understand that um so even though he's trained by informed race back here i'd just be a little worried that more late might have been slightly flattered by that run uh our plan, um the uh, charlie appleby one interesting is that they're taking on star law again having finished second best to him uh, with you know with Arabian crown in that race um again you know typical Charlie Appleby he, sh he goes off a short price on debut he wins that was the new market but I mean I know a lot of them don't always 
you know, progressed from that. You know, one of the, one of the theories being that, um, you know, the, the, the work, all these ex-jockeys they've got as work riders are practically sort of giving them a race in training beforehand. Um, you know, they're fit and fancied and ready to go on their debuts, but they're not necessarily going to come, you know, um, take a step forward as horses from your race Beckett or Sir Michael Stouts would from second run to, from first run to second. Um, and in his fallen, I was half interested in the outside of the field, um, having done best of the hold of horses when third in a hot nursery at York the other day. Um, but I'll go Starlord in the hope that Sir Michael Stout has got another star on his hand. And the fact that he could win on debut from this yard, I think is significant. Excellent. So Starlaw for Andrew. Matt, how do you see this one? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think you'd go quite wrong just backing the SP favourite in this race. You've got to get something for your money. Um, 12, the last 12, well, all the last 12 winners were in the top three of the betting. So it seems to be like it's a very, it's a favourite's race. Um, really tricky though, but five, five of the, like, of the six winners were last time out winners. You know, they're all going to progress at different rates of knots. Um, I did like Habland though. Um, I just have gone with the Charlie Appleby angle. He won this race with Silver Knot last year, and of course Massar as well. So the fact that he sends uh, Ablan here as well, you imagine he's got a wealth of two-year-olds that he could have sent here. The fact that he does send Ablan probably speaks volumes. Um, seven of the last 12 winners either ran next time out in the Royal Lodge, the Dewhurst, or uh, the Champagne Stakes as well. And given that Ablan's got an entry in all three of those, you'd imagine that they think highly of him at home, although a lot shall happen for Tars to do anyways. But um, you'd imagine that if he does win this, you know, he'll go on to one of those races too. And um, I just think he could, might have a bit of star quality about him. Excellent. And you've also helped with the pronunciation. Ablan. <laughs> we'll go for that. I need to get stuck into more of the flat stuff, don't I? Right. So we've got Starlaw for Andrew there. Ablan for Matt. That does cover up the eight ITV7 races. Gentlemen, I definitely have one from elsewhere. Um, I've been biting my tongue for out to talk about it, but I will still leave that. So, Andrew, is there anyone anywhere else for you? Uh, not for me. Thank you, Dave. Matt, anything from you? Yeah, like uh, Dickie Bird in the third at Chester for a career leader of Sam James. It was um, a very good winner at um, Catterick on Wednesday where he blew the start and came off from the pace. And um, he's, he's been he's been really prominent in his last year of runs. He was third in the action in the, uh, the three-year-old dash. But I think the um, the change of tactics actually suited them. And then um, I know we draw wide at Chester as well, but there's quite a bit of pace on. So you'd imagine if they persevere with those tactics, he might, um, he might go across. Excellent. Right, so my one that's away from it is also my nap. So I'll do this, then I'll come back to you two guys to find out your naps. I think we know what Matt's is already. I'm looking at the 417 at Newton Abbott. Jumps racing, and it's the Tom Lacey trained Sebastopol. This horse has been seen chasing for the last couple of seasons. Even beat Turner's winner, stage star at Newbury in the Berkshire. He's he's a, he's like a beast of a horse full stop i've always loved him he always gives his running on this type of ground last time he was seen over hurdles he was behind so royal october and that's just a race that he was never going to win but beat the rest of them but he should have done at that price then the last time he ran in a handicap hurdle was in the swinton in may 2022 where he finished third off a mark of 140. he's currently running off of 138 maybe 137 138 and I just think that this isn't the class of races like a Swindler when he's going up against a So Royal. He, this distance is perfect for him as well. Last time he's been as low as this mark was May 2021 when he ran Prashima to within a neck over two miles, four furlongs. So like I say, the class two handicap in name, but it's not in nature. Just think he's better than anything else in this race. Only semi-concern is the fact that he was beaten over fences here last summer. So you can't guarantee that he's going to love the trap, but I've never seen him as a horse that, just wouldn't be suited to anywhere. Um, he's going to be a relatively short price, but Songo's won two, two from two at Newton Abbott in quite good fashion as well. He's 
climbing the ranks in the handicap. So should keep us honest. But Seb will be favourite. Won't be short, short. But Seb Sebastopol will win the four seventeen. We've got no prize at the moment. Can you can we play guess the prize? What's the SP going to be? Get bonus points. I, 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 I've got him prized as five to two. So like five to two in my entry point. I reckon we might get a bit bigger. It, I think a lot depends on Songo on how much they get stuck into that with it being a JP horse. But I'll, I'll say he goes off five to two, Sebastopol. Cool. Higher or lower, Matty? <coughs> I'd, oh, I'd, I'd go lower. I'd go, I'd go, I'd go 15 to eight or up. Go on. That's it. That's fast. But who gets the first round in when we uh, have the GG um, Christmas do? <laughs> Excellent. Well, I like I like how expectant you guys are after me getting three naps on the spin that the nap's going to go. And we're not worried about whether it wins or not. We're just worried about what price it'll be. Andrew, your best bet for Saturday. Uh, I'll go for the old boy Tiz Marvellous at Beverly. Yes, back to back. Well, it'll be three wins in the Beverly, but it will be back to back naps for you in that, that race. And Matt, your nap. We must know who it is, but say it out loud. Uh, it's Songo, the Newton Abbott. Come <laughs> <laughs> with no surprise to you. It has a dual identity to go one better than his uh, second year last year. Fantastic. Well, thank you guys for helping me through this card. Um, thank you guys for tuning in again, and we will see you again soon.